Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we got him. He's back. The main event, Jeremy Birmingham, is here on the podcast daily uh, on Monday. Also, Bill Landis and me, Austin Ward, um, two weeks away from the start of spring ball. And Berm, just you missed everything. It was a busy week without you, but we hope you had a fantastic vacation. I, you know, it was really good. Um, I actually did what I intended and just put the phone down, except for like three minutes a day to make a graphic for the the podcast. That was all the work I did. I felt very relaxed. My hair looks crazy. That's why I'm wearing a hat. Um, that, that's rare. Uh, I need to get a haircut, so I'll get that done before we head to Roosters uh, later today. But yeah, it was good. Um, nice relaxing time. A lot of fish. A lot of sun. You know what I was surprised about is that Key West really doesn't have much in the way of a beach. Uh, which I'm actually okay with because I don't really care for the beach, but I did not realize that Key West was essentially just like uh, extremely homogenized version of New Orleans. I did not know that. <laughs> it's you like, did a it's lot like of New Orleans, but it doesn't smell like urine everywhere. You Got really it. did a lot of research for this trip. That's what's yeah, most impressive. I, I didn't do any research for the trip because I went, we did this because it's, it's what Angie wanted to do. Um, but, you know, the weirdest thing we did was, uh, you know, those little Turkish uh, foot eating fish that, that you ever seen those things? They're like, it's like basically like a, it's like a, a part of a, some sort of pedicure thing uh, yeah. where you put your feet into a, a tank of these fish that just eat the dead cells off of your skin. Uh, mm -hmm. We did that on Valentine's Day after um, probably a oh. few too many rum runners. Um and, and without much logic happening in our brains. And so we're like, oh, screw it. Let's do this. And just dump the feet right in there. And that was weird. It wasn't bad or like uncomfortable. But then the next day we were talking about it, laughing about it. And then I just searched like what those fish were called. And then all of a sudden I get this like laundry list of Google results about here's why you shouldn't do these. Here's this is why it's bad for not just your feet. Possibly you could die. And these are banned in 17 states in the United States. I'm like, holy crap, something was banned in Texas and we were still doing it. I was like, what are we doing? But that's what happens when you don't uh, think before you do things. Other than that, vacation was great. A lot of, a lot of fish. I don't eat shellfish, but I eat fish. So a lot of mahi, mahi, you know, that sort of stuff. But a uh, good time. You didn't good eat time. the toe fish, did you? No, no toe fish. <laughs> okay. So now all these times where he's like, criticize me for planning out too much where we're going to do road beers and where we're going to go it's all been now you realize i was saving you from yourself like you almost yeah. killed yourself on vacation yeah i don't but I, it, it was all her idea so i'm just gonna blame her okay well you're back and when you left ohio state did not have 10 full-time coaches berm and now they do uh james laurinitis uh was he claimed the last spot uh, Bill and I talked about this with some snap judgments on Thursday. Uh, there's some other contract info that we'll get into as we go through and, and break down Ohio State's offseason moves. But just your initial thoughts on James getting the final spot for him. I think it was clear that Ryan Day spent uh, a good amount of time like going through every fine detail to make sure this was the right hire when it could have been a very simple plug and play on January 1st hire. I mean, there was no one, there was no reason that it couldn't have been done. Um, you know, uh, 40 days earlier, except for the fact that Ryan Day wanted to make sure that from an alignment perspective, from from where James is at in his career development perspective, was it the right fit? And I actually, uh, we talked about it when we were at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center two weeks ago, but I think it shows to me, an, it's another sign of, of Ryan Day's maturity as a head coach, because what he's done the previous five years is just hire from within, hire from within. And ultimately he did here, hire from within, but 
it was not something where it, it felt like he didn't have any other options. I think Ryan Day explored a ton of options, but it came down to is that what you get out of James Laurinaitis as a recruiter, I think, is is next level. Um, you you have a guy who is a three-time All-American at Ohio State, a college football Hall of Famer, a, a young guy under still you know younger than 40 years old who who's able to go out there and really connect with people on a different level. And I, I'm interested to see what it means for Ohio State long-term at linebacker because I'm not sure that anyone saw a, a market improvement at the position a year ago, but I don't think that most people objectively would place that on James Laurinaitis so much as it was on the defense deciding to to use the linebackers differently. But I do think that there are some unanswered questions about exactly what his impact can be as an on-field coach. But off-field, I think it's a, it's a home run. Um, and certainly in recruiting, it's a home run because he is a guy that – commands a lot of attention when he walks into a room and he, he i mean we've all wa- been around james like he's an extremely like confident like self-assured person um but he's also very humble and very um loves ohio state and, and so i think you know you put all those pieces together and I, I don't think you i certainly would consider it an a hire even though it's a internal hire so <clears throat> i hate making uh and assigning grades to the off season because like that's what August, September, October, November, December are four. Um, so I'm more interested in like the process itself, Bill. Like the last two and a half months with Ryan Day here, since let's say the Michigan game and the decisions he made, it's been a a wilder process, I think, than I would have expected. What do you what do you make of this entire journey here to get to a complete staff? Just just talking about the staff, not not necessarily the roster moves out of with it. Um right. Yeah, it was it was a bizarre process for sure, um, and like not not really Ryan Day's fault necessarily that it was like the Bill O'Brien thing. Like no one no one really saw that coming. Um, I thought he navigated that well, um, and it's you know it's nice to have Chip Kelly as as one of your good pals. I guess maybe he wouldn't have navigated it so well if he didn't have a relationship with Chip Kelly. But um, I'm not necessarily holding that against Ryan Day. I think he did a good job there, and I think in some ways like upgraded a little bit. Or, or, and we we talked about that, but. Um, it was good. Like I, th- I thought that he struck the right balance between, like, aggressively attacking deficiencies without overreacting too much, which I think he talked about um, when we had that press conference with him a couple of weeks ago. Like, you don't you want to act, but you don't want to overreact. And and I think that he did that. Right. We all we all thought that he should have done something with special teams coordinator. We all thought that quarterbacks coach um, could have used an upgrade. Um, had Ryan Day like decided to take it farther than that and like really revamp the coaching staff, I I don't know that anyone would have been like, "What the heck's going on?" Because like they they haven't achieved their goals the last couple of years. But but me personally, I I don't know that they necessarily needed that. I think they needed some tweaks here, some tweaks there. Obviously, a big decision from Ryan Day to to give up the the play calling piece and the offensive coordinator piece and find somebody. Um, with substantial credentials who could, who could take that off of his plate. And, and he did that. So I thought he did a really nice job there. There have been off seasons past where I've felt that he's been like too indecisive, too, too, um, relying too re- too reliant, excuse me, on like the familiar. And I, I don't, I don't know that I feel that way this off season, which I might, I know might sound a little crazy because like he promoted a guy in house to coach a linebackers. He hired a guy he's known, for his entire adult life to be his offensive coordinator. 
but and those McIlroy, who had already worked and, for him, to, to go yeah, to but, but those, but those didn't feel like those felt very different for me than like the Parker Fleming deal or the Corey Dennis deal, and maybe naively so, but that's just kind of how I feel about it. But so, so like if I can make a distinction between those and some previous hires that I thought were a little underwhelming, um, I thought he's, I think he's done a, a really, really nice job this offseason, like a, a continuation of this evolution, I guess, into the CEO version of Ryan Day. I think the difference for me, at least, is that those guys have all cut their teeth elsewhere. They have all, mm-hmm. you know, Matt Guerrero was the defensive coordinator at Indiana a year ago. Like, it, it's not you just hiring him straight from within or a guy who's only worked at Ohio State and hasn't had an experience outside of the Buckeye sphere. So, I mean, once you add, you know, you, you sure, Matt Guerrero was on the coaching staff two years ago, but um, he's been elsewhere and he's he's figured out who he is as a coach elsewhere and had an opportunity to coach in the Big Ten and, and you know, we watched what we thought was a pretty good Indiana defense for most of last year, um, despite the fact that they were talent efficient. So uh, I, to me, none of those really feel the same. And again, Chip Kelly, yeah, it, it's like this is his guy. This is his buddy. But it's also uh, one of the more established um, coaches in the country who's been at every level and found success. And um, most people outside looking in still think he's one of the game's elite offensive minds. And so I don't think it's a situation where you can look at it and go, well, he only hired him because he was his friend or his mentor. I mean, there's obviously a, a very good resume behind it. It's not Billy Davis, no offense. None taken. Uh, I, I think that's what makes this really so fascinating is because you can evaluate it two different ways if you want to. As as Bill said, if if you're going to take the methodical process here, you could easily, if you wanted to, say, well, he was indecisive. He said himself. Ryan Day during his, uh, you know, press conference almost two weeks ago. Now, like, there's a lot of options still on the table to consider. Maybe it'll be special teams. Maybe it'll be a second defensive line coach. Maybe it'll be James Laurinaitis. That was still almost more than two months into the process. Like, you can flip a coin, decide how you feel about that, and it's the same situation with Chip Kelly, with James Laurinaitis, with Matt Guerrero. Like, these are all people that he uh, was familiar with. Some way more than others, obviously, with Chip Kelly. And if you want to say, well, he he wanted that familiarity again, and he wanted continuity and chemistry and, and people that he knew in the meeting room, you can certainly do that. I I tend to agree with you both, like especially when it comes to Chip Kelly. Any other program in the country and and multiple NFL teams were interviewing him, and every pro every college program, if they knew that they could take the sitting UCLA head coach and make them their offensive coordinator and not put him in charge of roster management in the transfer portal and NIL, they're absolutely going to make that move. Ryan Day is the only one that you can possibly look at and be like, nope, that guy, he, he went with the familiar. Um, it, I think that overall the process, the, I didn't want them to be patient, and I thought that they needed to start making moves immediately after the Michigan game. But hindsight now, two and a half months later, I think he probably did the best job he could, especially after getting thrown uh, an unexpected wrinkle with Bill O'Brien and having to go out and get two offensive coordinators in the same offseason, which nobody wants to do. I think, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I guess like the the grading thing is is tough for me as well. But like if we were to go down that road a second, like I think an A plus would have been like finding the second defensive line coach, right? Instead of the linebacker, instead of promoting James Laurinaitis. But then that makes this like like probably like an A or an A, or an a minus. Like it's still it's still very good. But I but I think we're all. I don't know. Are we all in agreement that like p- 
priority or preference number one was to get somebody to try to work in tandem with Larry Johnson for a year to ease that transition. And they weren't able to do that. So like, that's, it's not necessarily a knock. It's just like they had to pivot, I guess, a little bit from that plan, um, which keeps this from being like an absolute home run, but it's still an incredibly good off season, I think. Yeah. But that plan now becomes almost secondary because you signed Larry Johnson to a two year extension. And so maybe now that becomes a priority next off season, next yeah. uh, because at this point you at least are of the mindset, you know, again, there's a lot of things that could happen between now and next December where this entire staff could be gone. So you don't know. Uh, but what, what you do, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, there, there's, there's at least a world where that exists. There's also a world where Ohio state loses to Michigan and wins a national championship. So there's a lot of different things in play, but, um, uh, I think with Larry Johnson committing to another two years, um, obviously Tim Walton signing another extension, Jim Knowles signing an extension. Um, what you have now is is a pretty, you know, a lot of continuity on on a staff that you thought heading into this offseason felt like there could be some some question marks. And now, especially on the defensive side of the ball, which is the craziest part, because for the last four years it's been this defense sucks, the defense sucks, the defense sucks. And now, like the defensive staff, you look at it and go, okay, they're they're locked in, and they got this sorted out for uh, the next three years. And and uh, now you look where the next tweaks have to be made. But um, Tim Walton getting the extension was a big deal, and and becoming the full secondary safeties corners. I don't know the co offensive co head coach or assistant head coach or whatever he is, a assistant to the regional manager. I I don't know, but like I think that it was clear that when if if Larry Johnson had not wanted to sign a two-year extension that the defensive line help would have been more necessary than it uh, was now. That's the way I view that. Well, giving him a two-year deal means, okay, if you want to then execute a transition plan and bring in a second defensive line coach, like it's, it's February 19th and we're talking about a year from now, like somebody else would have to not be on the staff to create that position. If you're going to take that swing. So like I did to Bill's question, I did think that that was clearly priority number one for Ohio State uh, or for Ryan Day in, in constructing this staff with an eye on the future. But then you get back to the delicate balancing act that Berm is talking about, which is Ryan Day has a clear mandate that he must win in 2024 at the highest level, and especially uh, in the last week of the regular season against Michigan, or else all this is moot. So I don't know. There, there could be a world where he thought maybe there needed to be more sweeping changes um, in making more than the three moves on the coaching staff. But how much do you want to disrupt that in a year where the roster is built to win? The coaching staff has to win. Are you going to start from scratch and then hope that everything is in place by the end of August? I mean, you can make that bet, but that seems like a bigger wager than trusting that most of these other guys are going to be able to get you uh, efficiency at, at whatever position you want to talk about, offensive line, running back, wherever. I mean, that's those are the only other spots, I guess, realistically, outside of linebacker, where you could have made changes at this point because they already did that at safety and, and quarterback and special teams. So, you know, that that's also a gamble in itself. And not making the moves is also a gamble. I, you know, we, that's why we don't know how this is going to work out in six months' time and also why I'm really curious how this is going to look in March and April. I have a question. Uh, what is the difference between uh, associate head coach, assistant head coach, and assistant head coach for offense? There is no difference except the pay <laughs> pay stubs 
you have it's to create a, new positions if you want to create new money. Okay. Yeah. It's a creative way to make sure everyone feels good about themselves and um, to make sure that they all know that their voices are equally important in that none of their voices are important. Yeah, it really washes them out. If they all get fancy new titles, like nothing has actually changed. It's just very funny to me. So Tim Walton is now an assistant head coach in addition to being the secondary coach and cornerbacks coach. He's got a lot on his plate, that guy. Um, and Larry Johnson, I think, has had an associate head coach title for a while. And Tony Alford also has an assistant head coach for offense. And I think Justin Fry, like technically might have one of those too. Um, they're just He's, giving them out like candy. I'd love to have one. Can I have one? They you made get him, an assistant head coach. Uh, you get an associate head coach. They made Justin Fry last year. His special title was uh, offensive line coach and uh, run game coordinator. Oh, that's right. That's right. But, but Brian Hartline was passing game coordinator before he became offensive coordinator. Well, I think he got both. He got a, you had to supersize the package if you wanted to get him up to like $1.6 million last year, I believe was the extension. So mm-hmm. you had to, you had to add a bunch of titles to get to that level. That's how things work. That's yeah. the real world. I'm that's uh, like me. I'm like the recruiting guy slash video editor slash graphic editor. You're the associate head coach for graphics. Yeah. <laughs> Fun. I think he's the head coach for graphics. <laughs> it's um, not me. I know that. Bermu talked about, uh, Go back to James Laurinaitis for a minute and give me a little bit more on why the recruiting impact is so real. We got a ton of questions uh, last week that James maybe didn't want to be on the road. And that, I don't believe, is a real thing at all. But we did get asked that. Um, I will say this. In, in the last six months of speaking to uh, what I would consider well-connected sources to the James Laurinaitis business... Right. Uh-huh. The one underlying. Is this the assistant to James Laurinaitis or? The underlying theme has been get James Laurinaitis on the road. And that has come from the James Laurinaitis side of things. Um, so uh, anyone who would suggest that he did not want to do that uh, is being misled and or just guessing wrong. That is something he uh, is built to do. He is very, very good at it. And the kids who he visits absolutely love him and uh ohio state i go back to a year ago it was basically 11 months now at this point when when james or 13 months ago when james laurinaitis came to ohio state and like jim knowles was in texas visiting peyton pierce two days before james laurinaitis was announced as the grad assistant with the linebackers and clearly he was there because james had told him go visit this guy because i want you to make sure when I get there that we're going to offer him and you're cool with it. Uh, I mean, Peyton Pierce went from being a thousand percent leaning towards Notre Dame to an Ohio state commitment in two months when he did not visit until the weekend before he committed. So like he, James Laurinaitis is, as I said, like the combination that he has, like the NFL accolades, the college accolades, the way that he um, can talk to these players, these linebackers, as like a linebacker dude is very impressive. And it is a, it is not something most people can do you're talking about objectively one of the greatest college linebackers of all time. Like that is not, that's not a stretch to say that or, or scarlet colored glasses. And then you add on the fact that again, he's like 38 years old. And, but when you meet him and, and we're, we're fortunate because we know these guys on more of a personal level at times, like, James does not come across as like that former NFL 15 year vet 
dude. Like he's a very humble guy. Uh, and it's just that, that combination of, of respect, but also the respect that he shows people and the way that he handles people is pretty different. But he's also like extremely direct and does not sugarcoat things with recruits and does not try to puff people up or blow smoke up their butts. Like there, it's a really unique combination because he's done it all. Um, and, and that is what kids want. Kids want to make sure that when they go get coached by someone, they're getting coached by someone who knows what the hell they're talking about. It. And James Laurinaitis certainly does. And then we're going to see in the next month or two, um, Ohio State has one linebacker committed in the class of 2025 with Eli Lee out of Akron Hoban. But uh, TJ Alford, who's a four-star defensive, uh, like he could be like an edge rusher down the road, maybe. Um, but he's a linebacker out, out in the, on the um, east coast of Florida. Uh, he's going to visit next month. And I think Ohio State, it's Ohio State or Miami for him. It's Ohio State or Miami for Elijah Melendez, who's committed to Miami. It's Ohio State or probably Alabama for Justin Hill down in Cincinnati at uh, Winton Woods. Uh, he's like more of that jack positions, but we'll see how that, but that's a James Laurinaitis recruitment as well. Like you're going to see probably a three or four man linebacker class this year. And I'm going to tell you what, that's not something that you would have been like looking forward to, to following from a recruiting standpoint if you didn't have James Laurinaitis as the, as the linebackers coach because he's a difference maker. Is there, a potential, is there a potential impact there, Burn, beyond linebacker? Like, how, how, like, could James Laurinaitis, just by being a guy who's into recruiting and being a, a presence on the defensive staff, help them at other positions? Yeah. I mean, a guy like Justin Hill is a good example of that. He may not end up playing linebacker, but um, James is in Ohio, and if you can have James Laurinaitis take an hour drive to go visit a kid, uh, you're going to do it because that impact is real. And that kid grew up playing NCAA football with James Laurinaitis on it, like in it. Like now, like that's a different world. Um, it, you know, Brian Hartline was very involved last year in the recruitment of like Aaron Oland. I mean, you you start to see that because being a a great recruiter is not about just the recruiting the position that you played. It certainly helps, but like the things that make Brian Hartline or Tim Walton or James Laurinaitis a great recruiter. Uh, are going to uh, transcend the position that they that they coach um, because th- who they are and the way that they are is in and the accolades that they bring is what people are uh, is what's opening the door. Well, they've got a staff complete, so that we can finally finally end that conversation for this off season. We have we milked it for one more day though to start off uh, the podcast daily for Monday. Uh, two more weeks until the start of spring ball. So we're going to have a lot more position previews coming your way on the podcast throughout this week and into next. Uh, we'll be back at Roosters after uh, a one-week absence and break um, because of the shifting schedules. And it'll be a little bit different episode, but we're going to try our best to make it one that you'll like as, as normal as we get back in there into the Horseshoe Lounge. Um, what else do we have cooking? Anything? Bill? King style? We're going to have them. I don't know what we're talking <laughs> about. This. I, I know uh, if... I don't know how many people that watch the podcast daily listen to Kings of the North, but I think Tuesday, it's a, Tuesday, if not Tuesday, then Thursday, uh, Doug is going to have Matt Brown on. And I think I'll be on that episode too. And we're going to talk all about the new college football video game. So like, Ooh. if you're interested, if you're interested in that at all, um, I would uh, point you in the direction of Kings of the North later this week. I am interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> Burn was clear. He had that already on his mind. College football video game. He's referenced it already in this program. And that was before we even getting the insight from Matt Brown later in the week. So uh, anything else cooking on your end, Burn? Uh, my intention is to have Naeem offered on a Burmanology this week. Uh, he said that he would be have time to, to sit down and chat. So 
uh, five-star corner from Alabama who just committed to Ohio State uh, right before I left for vacation. And we'll be back with talking stuff on Thursday for the, you know, and then try to get more consistent with that since vacations are over for a while. All right. Well, not for all of us, but uh, that's a conversation <laughs> for another day. Uh, glad to have Burn back, uh, ready for another week of Ohio State coverage and ready to get through these next two weeks and then really dive in to spring ball with the Buckeyes. For Bill Anderson, Jeremy Birmingham, I am Austin Ward. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you later.